Hello, this is your Jack the Ripper tour guide, Richard Walker. The police interviewed hundreds of people as suspects at the time, but without any success. And it wasn't until some of the senior police officers were looking back at the case that some of the names that are still talked about began to be mentioned. One of the documents that can make the eyes of a student of these murders light up is a document known as the McNaughton Memoranda. This was a document written by Melville McNaughton, who became Assistant Chief Constable of the Metropolitan Police in June 1889, the year after the murders. The memoranda begins by attacking a sensational story that had appeared in the Sun newspaper about a young man called Thomas Cutbush, who was charged with stabbing the rears of Florence Grace Johnson and Isabella Fraser Anderson in Kennington. The paper suggested that Thomas Cutbush was Jack the Ripper. McNaughton wrote his memoranda in part to throw scorn on this idea, after which he said, Now the Whitechapel murderer had five victims, and five victims only. His murders were, on 31st of August 1888, Mary Ann Nichols at Bucks Row, who was found with her throat cut, and with some slight stomach mutilation. On the 8th of September 1888, Annie Chapman, Hanbury Street, throat cut, stomach and private parts badly mutilated, and some of the entrails placed round the neck. 30th of September, 1888, Elizabeth Stride, Berners Street, throat cut, but nothing in the shape of mutilation attempted. And, on same date, Catherine Eddowes, Mitre Square, throat cut and very bad mutilation, both of face and stomach. 9th November, Mary Jane Kelly, Miller's Court, throat cut, and the whole of the body mutilated in the most ghastly manner. The last murder is the only one that took place in a room, and the murderer must have been at least two hours engaged. A photo was taken of the woman as she was found lying on the bed. Without seeing which, it is impossible to imagine the awful mutilation. With regard to the double murder which took place on 30th of September, there is no doubt but that the man was disturbed by some Jews who drove up to a club, close to which the body of Elizabeth's ride was found, and that he then, Mordum Satiasus, went in search of a further victim, who he found at Mitre Square. It will be noted that the fury of the mutilations increased in each case, and seemingly the appetite only became sharpened by indulgence. It seems, then, highly improbable that the murderer would have suddenly stopped in November 1888 and been content to recommence operations by merely prodding a girl's behind some two years and four months afterwards. A much more rational theory is that the murderer's brain gave way altogether after his awful glut in Miller's Court, and that he immediately committed suicide or, as a possible alternative, was found to be so hopelessly mad by his relations that he was, by them, confined in some asylum. No one ever saw the Whitechapel murderer. Many homicidal maniacs were suspected, but no shadow of proof could be thrown on any one. I may mention the cases of three men, any one of whom would have been more likely than Cutbush to have committed this series of murders. Number one, uh, Mr. M.J. Druitt, said to be a doctor of good family, who disappeared at the time of the Miller's Court murder, and whose body, which was said to have been upwards of a month in the water, was found in the Thames on 31st of December, or about seven weeks after the murder. 
he was sexually insane. And from private information, I have little doubt but that his own family believed him to have been the murderer. Second, Kuzminski, Polish Jew, and resident in Whitechapel. This man became insane, owing to many years' indulgence in solitary vices. He had a great hatred of women, especially of the prostitute Klaus, and had strong homicidal tendencies. He was removed to a lunatic asylum about March 1889, there were many circumstances connected with this man, which made him a strong suspect. Number three, Michael Ostrog, Russian doctor and a convict, who was subsequently detained in a lunatic asylum as a homicidal maniac. This man's antecedents were of the worst possible type, and his whereabouts at the time of the murders could never be ascertained. Well, that's all there is about Melvin McNaughton from this podcast and indeed for this series of podcasts i hope you've enjoyed them if you'd like to join me on my jack the rippers Whitechapel tour just search thursday friday or saturday at seven o'clock on london walks website and there you will find listed at seven o'clock jack the rippers Whitechapel, and you can just click on the booking and see which dates are available hope to see you on one of the tours thank you for listening